Welcome to the 4A Music Podcast. I'm Charlie. I'm Alexandria. And I'm Amy. On this week's pod, should traditional jazz still be taught in schools? How to be an artist? That's a big one. <laughs> Perfectionism and productivity, new music, and more. First off, what's new? What's on y'all's mind? Uh, well, I'll start. Yeah, I'll start. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, I'm going to Iowa uh, this week for, um, for I guess it's like the Iowa high school music educators sort of a thing. They're having like a jazz, a jazz, like vocal jazz festival this weekend. Um and I'm going to uh, hang out with some like high school, high school groups and like do a little concert um, with one of our uh, former teachers, Dr. Kate Reed is another guest artist. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. I haven't been to Iowa um, in basically a million years. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I haven't, I haven't done this sort of a thing in a little bit with like COVID and everything. So I think it's going to yeah. be cool. I think like, I always get kind of like, ex honestly, if I'm going to be completely honest, I get like a little exhausted by the idea of doing it. But, then, but then like once I'm there and like, there's like a bunch of high schoolers around that are like really stoked. And I know that they don't have access to maybe folks that have my sort of like interests or expertise or something like that often. So I think it's like, so I think it ends up being really cool and exciting. And I think it's just like, I think it's probably fun for them to kind of like see new people. I think it's also fun for me to see new people and all that kind of stuff. So like, it's kind of like any sort of introverted sort of a situation where it's kind of like, yeah. it's like not really like, I'm like, well, maybe they'll cancel it or something. <laughs> maybe I'll get a phone call. <laughs> kind of like sitting there waiting and then and then it's like no we're gonna do it and i'm like okay and then i go and then i have a great time but it's the it's kind of the leading up to it is like a little bit of a moment um i'm also uh i'm also doing a little judging this week for nats so in new england the new england chapter of nats which is the national association of teachers of singing um, which is if there's any other like voice teachers out there in the world, um, you probably already know about it. But if you don't know about it, it's something to check out. It's an organization to check out. It was like very dominant. I would say it's very dominated by classical voice teachers for like a hundred years or something. But like it's wow. getting a lot more. It's getting a lot um, more open to other sorts of things. So they've had like a music theater thing for a long time, and now they're now they've added. Um, contemporary uh like uh, vocal competitions and so i think it's really cool and it's really important i also think it's like i think it's really important that um contemporary voice teachers like participate in it and it and are like part of the association and all that kind of stuff so that it continues to grow and and it's it's auth as authentic as it possibly can be um but it's cool. I think they're like they're the New England chapter of Nats is actually really cool, and like they are um, really like spearheading some of this contemporary vocal thing, the CCM kind of thing. Which CCM uh, <laughs> was different to different people. I learned this today talking talking with Alex or Alexandria. I was like CCM. That's that uh, means something else in like nerdy voice teacher 
um, <laughs> world, uh, than it does maybe in like gospel music or in, in like uh, like church music, contemporary Christian music, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's cool. So it's it's been that's that's kind of interesting and um, and that's cool. But yeah, Nats is kind of the New England chapter of Nats is like really forward looking, and there's going they're going to be doing some more national contemporary music stuff in Nats. But for right now, it's kind of in smaller chapters. The last thing I will say is <laughs> I got really into the I've been getting really into the Beatles in the last like week and a half, which feels like a very, like. <laughs> A very like old white man thing to do, but um, oh, but I listened to like uh, so I I listened to this um, interview with Paul Rudd, who I love, and he oh was talking, he was talking about how he met Paul McCartney on uh, like the set of SNL, um, maybe oh, wow. once or twice, and he was like, oh, I love the Beatles so much and all this kind of stuff, and he was talking about this uh, the Get Back documentary that's on Disney Plus, that's yeah. like making of the let it be album and some of those kinds of things and um and i'd watched the first episode of that which is it the whole documentary is like three episodes and they're each episode is like three hours long oh, so it's like almost, that's what i heard yeah it's like almost 10 hours of, of like oh behind the scene stuff and like a lot of drama like there's like a lot of like people quitting the band and then coming back and just like Yoko Ono screaming and there's like a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but it's really cool. You get to see like um, you see Paul McCartney, like just like he like walks into the studio and they're just like hanging out and he like plays, let it be for them for the first time. And he's like, yeah, I'm kind oh, of wow. like this thing. And it's just as like, Whoa. Um, there's stuff like that in the documentary and it's just them being silly too. There's a, there's a lot going on. So um, I, I'd, I'd kind of, um, yeah, I'd kind of been off that documentary, like, and not really been listening to them that much, but, um, but like that kind of like, kind of got me back into it. So I've been watching that a little bit this weekend, like spurts and it's, I think it's really cool. And I think they're just so, they're so great. But I think the other thing about it that, that the other thing it made me think is that, um, you know, they do this, there's this thing with like established bands and maybe it's like a, maybe it's a bit of like a time capsule thing, like back to this period of time, but it's just like, they just get together for like a week or two weeks or three weeks at a time. And they're just like sitting in a room and it's like, yeah, they like write these songs and they come up with the songs, but they're like also like working out arrangements. They're like working out these like mm. really intricate arrangements and stuff that like, I think like really probably could only come from like four really great musicians, like, or whatever sitting in a room and just like playing the same song over and over and over again. Like, what if we did this hit there? And like, I've had the experiences where it's like, I've rehearsed for a few hours or something with a band for a show. And it feels like, Oh man, we really worked some stuff out. Like that was cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, man, what if we had three weeks um, mm -hmm. to kind of, to just, you know, to do cool stuff, like um, make things interesting. So uh, that's kind of what it was making me think of, but yeah, that's, that's, I, I know I'm kind of, I'm kind of pent up with a lot of things that are on my mind because we haven't had a podcast, by the way, we should say, we haven't had a podcast since November. So. We're back. <laughs> so we're yeah. back. Um, but yeah, that's, that's for right now. That's what's on my mind. Alexandria, how about you? What's on your mind? What's on my mind? I went to go see um, one of my favorite artists of all time last night. It was Jameson Ross. Not many people know about him, which I don't understand, but um, he's a drummer, voc vocalist, singer, songwriter, 
um, that just blows my mind, honestly. His energy is, I don't know, it's so genuine. Like when he was up on, he like started off the show like burning incense and you know, getting the vibes right. And then he just starts so just like nice backbeat. I don't know. And you could feel the bass drum in your entire being. <laughs> I like that. And he's such a nice guy too. I don't know. His music makes me feel so good. I don't know. Whenever I go to see music like that, it just, it's better than any other feeling in the world. And it reminds me of the power of music because sometimes I get lost in like, oh, what am I doing this for? Like, why are people really listening? Like, does this really have an effect? But when I go to shows like that, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is like, this is it for me. And I, I don't know, just to have someone just be so open about everything. I don't know. It was, I don't know. I just really needed, needed that just reminder. I mean, his music is so freaking good. And it, it had people from all ages. Like there was this like 72, 73 year old woman dancing in the front. Aww. And then there's like me who's like 20s. There's like a middle-aged couple. Like it's just music that can touch everybody. And then he's also just like super approachable. Like talk to him afterwards. And he's like, being an artist is really hard. Like that's the first thing he told me. Wow. He's like, hey, like I know you. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, being an artist is really hard, isn't it? I said, yes. <laughs> he's like, you get it, right? And I was like, I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was, I don't know. I keep saying, I don't know, because I really don't know. But it's a big thing to process. Yeah. I really needed that in my soul, though. I felt everything that he played, that he sang. Band was so killing. You could hear everybody's influence because he's from Florida. And we're just like, okay, cool. Florida, Tallahassee, Florida. What's going on there? Like T-Pain or something. <laughs> and, and um, you like, yes, like nice guitar. Use a slide guitar. Like nice bass like some organ sounds like no no like crazy drum chops or anything but everything just felt really nice and felt authentic and you could hear everybody's like like the bass players from new orleans and you could tell that the bass players from new orleans i don't know you could tell that jameson like grew up listening to like obviously some type of folk or country and soul music i don't know the pianist grew up in church I don't know. I just, everything felt real. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> What's the setup for the band? Like, is he, does he play, does he play drums and sing at the same time? And like, that? yeah. And it was what, oh, the best part. They were playing to tracks. So they were playing to click tracks and he did not get off. He was with wow. the click the entire time. Like, cause he had back, he doesn't like, he's just doing the solo act like he just started oh. and so he doesn't have like the you know doesn't have like backup singers yet so like they're playing to tracks and to be able to play to a click track while you're live and you're playing drums and singing i think is 
Well, Unbelievable. He was and playing well. Yeah. And, to, and doing the click, click track. Was there any other band or is it just like solo and him like with a computer and the. And no, it was band. It was piano, um, bass, oh, right, yeah. drums, him on drums, and uh, the guitarist. Amy, what's, what's new with you? Hey, everyone. <laughs> um, I went upstate. Well, I whatever. I'm not going to get into that. Of which state? I'm always <laughs> I know <laughs> of New York State to wow. my home place of Rochester. Um and it was really fun ever since I started singing more seriously. Um my dad's colleague Mark Kellogg has kind of included me in some of his groups and like performance opportunities and so we got to make music together in Rochester, in um, Bradford, Pennsylvania, and in Whitesboro, New York. Um, and in Whitesboro, we also did some clinics with high school students. And that was kind of the first time I was on the other side of things. So I was like, whoa, whoa there. Like, I definitely felt like I had things to share and things to kind of chat about. But it was really weird. I had a little bit of like a like a noob uh, feeling. I was kind of like, whoa, I don't, hello. Um, but it was really, really special. It was very grounding because I got to spend a lot of time with my dad. Um, and we like drove to the places together. And so we had some fun car rides and it was also nice to kind of experience that in terms of, is that something I would want to do more of? which I think it is. So that was cool to experience just being open-minded to opportunities like that. Cause it's, you guys know, I love community. So it was really special to be able to perform, but also it being based in more of like a, it just felt like it was coming from a community place, which I like. I like when I feel like there's a purpose that's greater than just La 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 la, I'm singing, <laughs> yeah. which I guess usually there is, but it was the purpose felt clear to me. Yeah. Um, and it was just very nice to have those couple days. You also talked about Paul Rudd, and I just wanted to say that I saw a video today of him and Jimmy Fallon singing an original song called Teeny Beanie Weenie. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. If you feel inclined, go listen to it. It was, I couldn't stop watching it, listening to it, but also Teeny there's a video component. So it was a little, uh, car crash. Can stop. Yeah. A little bit. Anyway. That's okay, cool. me. That's you. Let's, uh, let's hop into the newsletter. Okay, Alexander, you want to start, start us off with the first A? Yes, the first A. Should traditional jazz be taught in schools? So I actually came across this because my friend Timothy Watson, who is a great guitarist, posted something like a repost of this interview with Henry Threadgill um, by this guy. What's his name? Henry Steamer. I thought that was a great. Hank Hank. Hank, Hank Streamer from Wire. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I, it prompted me to like find this interview because like the person only reposted one part of the interview and it's quite long. Um, 
but in um in tandem with like my idea of like black history month being a time for us to like reflect on you know black artists that don't get as much light as they should i think henry threadgill is definitely one of those people um he's like a great saxophonist composer he's always like pushing looking for the new um he like also plays flute he has this cool flute group i think it's called like flute for you or something like that or like flute fire or like i don't know four flutes it's just four flutes and they play crazy arrangements it's super cool so he's always like he has these like great bands that are different um instrumentations like he's really oh he has always thought outside the box anyways so this man's um hank he decides to you know henry is pretty much a recluse and and so threadgill does not hold back i kid you not um he is definitely intentional with a lot of the things that he says um, but one of the questions was, should traditional jazz be taught in schools? Which is very interesting because we all studied jazz <laughs> in yeah. school. But he hadn't, I, I, I liked his take on it because I feel like a lot of the time this, this side of the story is left out in, in the sense of, yes, he believes that we should be, that jazz should be taught in school. Definitely. But it's not necessarily what people were playing. Um, he says in the interview that once that's a part, like once you have transcribed or learned what that other person is playing, it is now a part of you. Um, but he said, we don't need to get that into our system. Um, we need to have like what's new in our system and let that come out rather than like whatever else has come out um, before us. Um, he insists that we learn about the history of things, um, meaning giving the context of why people played the way that they played. So, like, for example, bebop, cool. But why was it played during that time? Why was it played so fast? Well, one, Black Americans weren't considered, you know, equal, and they wanted something for themselves that no one could touch and that meant playing really fast and really complicated stuff so that they could be untouched and they can be like hey we did this and you can't see we're we can do this it's comp you know it's a it's a sophisticated genre or sophisticated music and i don't know i think so much of the time when we're in school, it's like, yeah, we need to learn bebop because we need to learn bebop. We need to sound killing rather than like really thinking about the history of like, okay, these people played this way, played this fast, played these types of tunes, wrote these types of tunes because of this. And I don't think that we're taught that enough. But, but anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. Threadgill says that we should learn this history so that we can get ready for whatever the next period is, which I think is, you know, that's what we always do. We learn the history so that we don't have to, so it doesn't repeat itself, right? Even though inevitably it repeats itself, but we attempt to learn it so that it doesn't repeat itself and we can keep pushing and moving forward. Yeah. Maybe like the bad things don't repeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bad stuff not repeat, but the, 
good stuff that's cyclical. Yeah. It's it yeah, I so I don't know much about I I don't I haven't really listened to uh Henry Threadgill, but the um but it seems like he's maybe kind of in some of the more avant-garde like yeah. of things. And um yeah, I was like reading this interview the the that that part of the article like that that struck me uh, he also kind of like weighs in about this, like the term jazz, which is like not, um, which is not unusual, especially for, I think maybe folks that played the kind of style of music that he played and in that yeah. period of time and stuff. But um, it, it, can I read a, kind of read a, like a chunk of this quote? Cause I, I yes. have something I think is cool. Um, so Threadgill says, I don't really like the word jazz. I prefer creative improvised music because there's no confusion about what jazz means now, or because there's confusion about what jazz means now. I think it's lost its meaning and I don't think it's relevant anymore, that word, because there's too much confusion. I mean, I just ordered a macchiato and she knew exactly what to bring me, you know? He said there's a, ba- <laughs> wow. there's a basketball team named Jazz, which by the way, plays in Utah. There's a perfume named Jazz. Um, there's not one person, on there that's improvising everybody's a pop group or a rock group or some kind of quasi something group you know what i'm saying it's just too much confusion and then people make films documentaries ken burns for one who i've met he and the uh, people that were his consultants they gave a picture of what they say jazz is and then exclude generations of people whole schools and generations of people are excluded from it and it's played nationally internationally and it's giving an idea of what jazz is so that's why i say that word has really lost its meaning you know <laughs> she does not hold back wow i th- i mean Iconic. I, I think it's you know and this I is mean, before the whole nicholas payton bam or yeah yeah i mean that um it's interesting you know i think like i think every person that's ever sat through like a jazz history class his but I, but i also think that's like any sort of history music history class like any musician I know that's been in a music history class has been kind of like, this feels weird. Like something of this feels off. And it's, and I think the thing that's felt off for me and, and some of my friends and classmates was that like, it felt like there were these big, it felt like an oversimplification of something, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, why are we li- learning these, like the big names of the people? And like, I know that there's all this other stuff that's happening. And I think like, I think kind of his article, his his argument a little bit in the idea that like jazz shouldn't be like traditional jazz shouldn't be taught maybe the way that it has been in school is kind of that it's like basically that's like reductive, you know. Yeah. That it's like you can teach these like foundational ideas or like you teach you teach young artists tools, like you give them tools to do stuff, and then there's we talked about this before. Um, and by the way, like Ethan Iverson, who we talked about last in the fall, yeah. he says that jazz isn't improvisation. He says jazz is um, repertoire, repertoire right? right? Yeah. It's like a, a, a bunch of songs. And I think like, I don't know, I generally side more on this on the side that it's about being creative and improvising, but I think that that's maybe my sensibility to it, or that's like my, that's what I like about it. I think if someone else likes about it, the songs, I don't know. I'm kind of inclined to let everybody have their own feelings, like 
not let, but like, I'm, I'm happy that everybody has their own feelings about it. And I actually think it's kind of interesting that they're contradictory sometimes, or a lot of the times, like, I think that's interesting. I don't think that's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's art, you know, so it's a sub- subjective thing, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's interesting. I think it's super interesting too, how labels can be important in terms of you want, uh, you want, you don't want information to get kind of like misconstrued or something, or I think hopefully humans understand each other, like being misunderstood is probably can be scary or even dangerous, but also I think sometimes labels just are limiting because then it's like people are just arguing about it rather than making the art or whatever Mm. but but then I kind of argue with myself because I know that they can be important in terms of when they're needed you know yeah labels like saying what something is or or sort of like making a statement about what something is I don't know Great. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's leave that open. I think that I think that's nice. Yeah. That feels like it's like part of a larger series of us talking about yeah. <laughs> what yeah. things are. What does it all mean? Um, uh, let's let's go on to uh, our A number two. Um, uh, what we're reading, Amy. What, oh, are you, yeah. what are you reading right now? I started reading this book, "How to Be an Artist," by Jerry Saltz. I think that's how you say his name. <laughs> Um, I, like I really name. like it. I do like that name too. I honestly have been thinking about salt and pepper. Maybe he gets that a lot, but um, <laughs> I like it. I got at the beginning of the fall, I got myself a bunch of like books to inspire me. And I'm one of these people that really enjoys reading, but I have trouble making it a habit. Like I don't find enough downtime to, to, for it to occur to me to go pick up my book. So, but I had some time and it's a very, for me, it's been a very easy read. It's kind of like the chapters slash sections are very short. He just Mm -hmm. kind of states, um, they're not even really rules. They're kind of, I just ideas, I guess, uh, or reminders. And then he just writes a little bit about it. Um, so I've been like annotating it. because it's also um geared toward physical art it's about like drawing and painting and all the examples are that but the way he speaks transcends that and so it's super easy to relate it to music and just personally my experience as an artist um and I just really like it he talks about having courage he talks about uh sort of not limiting yourself to one medium. He talks about like leaning into awkwardness. He talks about um, how to begin, like maybe ways to keep your space or um, ways to form a practice. And I think I like that it's not about music because it's easier for me <laughs> to digest and sort of process. I think it can be hard for me sometimes to... I just feel so close to music. So oftentimes I'm a little, I I don't know. I don't really even know what books are out there like this that would be 
specifically about music, but I just, I like that it's about drawing because I, I grew up doing that as well. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have a, like things he's saying about physical art are meaningful to me, but I'm able to really easily sort of translate it to what I want to take from it. So I would recommend it. I'm not done yet though. What has been like one of your favorite or like what have you gotten most from it? Like what's freed you the most from what you think is the artist thing? Um, Honestly, I had a moment where I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to read more of my book. And then I actually was like, oh, no, I should just do my craft, <laughs> you know, because I was just thinking about his. He's just very like. He just will say things like don't do that or like do this. And so that's, I think, sort of freed my, I have so much brain thinking that happens that often prevents me from just sitting down and like doing something because I'm whatever planning or whatever I'm doing. Like, I think I'm not zoomed in enough a lot of times in order to actually get work done where then if you zoom out, you're doing things, you know what I mean? Like my zoom out makes me not do whatever. So, but that was like the biggest thing is I was like on a chapter that I think, I think it was the courage chapter or something. And I was like, Oh, I want to read. And then I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to go make music. (laughs) So that's amazing. Yeah. And I also like when you have things that are reminders, it's like the concept of someone like reminding you like, Hey, maybe you should like as a kid, Hey, you should go put your pajamas on and get ready for bed. Like it's that kind of concept where you're like, Oh yeah, I should do that. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just exposing that. I think adulting is really hard, but it's nice to have sort of like a, some, someone saying something and then you can take it or leave it. Some of the stuff he said, I've, I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that, but a lot of what he said I have agreed with. It's honestly just been nice to decide what I think mm. about things or be, kind of have it exposed to me. Mm. It's, that makes me think like this idea of courage, you know, like how I wonder how you two um, feel about this like idea of like how much courage you have to do your thing like to make music or to sing in front of people or whatever that is and like if it feels like it's changed as you've gotten older or like i used to get so nervous to like sing solos in choir or do whatever or you know get up in front of people but um it also felt like i had less control over it it was just kind of like okay this is the thing i have to like you're talking about kind of like the thing you have to do you know it's like well i have to do this now it feels like everything i do i'm like just i'm choosing to do you know and i'm like oh i want to do that you know i think about athletes when they're like oh you're gonna play in the big game and stuff and like I like it seems like professional athletes are always like complaining that they don't get enough playing time or they don't get the ball enough or whatever that is and, it's like, <laughs> and I think I think like I think musicians are that way too like the musicians I know that are like professional or, or college students or whatever are kind of like complaining about not getting enough opportunities to play and um it's kind of interesting like I I if I think about my own sort of experience of like courage to like get up in front of people, I think it's grown a lot, but I do think that it's like a, 
where I used to have like really acute moments of feeling like really nervous or something or like stressed out to do a thing. Now I just feel a lot of that just kind of spread out in a much <laughs> larger period of time. Like it's like if I had a hundred like stress points or something before that were all, that would all happen in one choir rehearsal or something like yeah. now that's spread out. So that like, you know, 15 of them happen to me every day or something. As I'm going yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Does that, does that make any sense? Or what, like, what's, yeah. what's your answer to that question or your response to that? I, I think for me, it, it depends on which instrument I'm playing. Hmm. Like for flute, I used to get incredibly nervous. And now I, I've played it for at this point, like almost 20 years. So it's like, I, I, I can handle what I've, if I felt nervous for 20 years, so I can, <laughs> I can you remember handle it. You, you start to feel it and you're like, like, oh, I know where this came from. Yeah, I know what to do, how to handle it. But because I've only been singing for not even 10. <laughs> you have though. <laughs> for real though. <laughs> um, I, I still get really nervous and I still, I think that voice is the most vulnerable mm -hmm. instrument. And I still think it takes a lot for me to get up there. So I'm still working on that one. I, I don't know. For me, it's not like the courage. It's like, do I want to be vulnerable right now? Mm -hmm. That's courage though. I think that's still yeah. courageous. To be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I guess for me, it's like that first question of like, do I want to be vulnerable right now? Yeah. And if I do, I'm like, okay, cool. I can do this. And if I'm like, then I'm like, I'm going to stay in my seat. What about you? Um, this is what I love is it just makes me like reflect a little more and try to like be honest with myself about things. I definitely relate to previously being more nervous than maybe more recently and having nerves like more of all the time but like less like you were saying charlie yeah um i don't know i don't get as nervous usually in terms of the physical nerves anymore mm -hmm. i think now my nerves like have to do with my brain and this sort of feeling of like I think I'm pretty clear on, on like the purpose of music, but sometimes it's more like in my life, I mean, but sometimes it's more like the brain that comes with like, you're performing for people and then they're like responding in a way. And like, I want to bring joy, but I sometimes feel uncomfortable with like the perform, like, Hey, look at me thing. Like, cause yeah. it's not what it's about for me but then you kind of have to do that because that's the point of performing like I just get really kind of weird in my brain because for me it's not about it shouldn't be about validation I don't think like that's not why I do anything but then somehow validation comes in to the picture because you're like doing something in front of people and gaining yeah. a response and so like I think now my where I think about like the courage and the nerves it's sort of like um, I'm finding myself really yearning to have like a very grounded and clear vision for like why I'm doing everything so that I'm not so sort of distracted by 
all these things. Like I, I think I'm worrying too much and it's sort of like not that deep, but, (laughs) but like, but it does bring up stuff for me because it's like, just the way that people respond to music can be a little bit strange sometimes, I think. It's just so, it's such a way of life for me. And it's strange sometimes when it becomes like, oh, look at it. And also the fact that to be successful, (laughs) like to make money with music, I think also is kind of a mind meld. So like previously, I think I was more, I'm talking so much. Previously, I think I was more clear headed in that I was just singing because I loved it and it was whatever. And so now having this sort of urge to, pursue it and see if I can support myself in that way has brought up other things Mm. because I'm seeing the way that people are successful, successful in a monetary way and how that's not really going to bring me fulfillment or happiness. It's having the art be the art, but then Mm. that whole thing is kind of where I'm at now. But this book has helped me because it brings it back to the art itself which is hard to pick apart because it's, it's, it's another being. It's like itself. Mm. It's hard to kind of like uh, get in the weeds of it in a way that's toxic because it's like, um, what, what is the word? For, it's like tangible in a way. I don't know. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know there was that much on my mind. We needed the podcast to come back. <laughs> Unpack. I don't think I've ever actually like said that out loud though. I think that's the confusion is pursuing it is making it just in all these weird places. Yeah. Yeah. And we get a lot of weird advice about how to do that. And yeah. The smart thing is to do. I hate the smart thing to do. It's always (laughs) so lame. It's always such a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. Anything, you know, smart way of doing anything. Um, Okay. Well, uh, also to be continued. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on to point three. So, um, kind of in the same sort of zone, um, the point I shared this week was an uh, an article from the Harvard Business Review, which are some of like my f- favorite dorky things to read about. Um, but they there's an article uh, called "Don't Let Perfection Be the en- Enemy of Productivity," which is definitely uh, an experience I, I've um felt before but uh but basically um there's kind of like three there's like three kind of main components of this article they talk about kind of how perfectionists uh and i think i think like a lot of i think a lot of musicians that i've met are kind of in this perfectionist zone even if maybe compared to other maybe compared to other musicians or something they may be like well they're more of a perfectionist than they are but i like most musicians that i've met were have been kind of kind of in this zone that I would say like that kind of this perfectionist kind of zone. And I think there's a bit, a bit of a misnomer that like perfectionists are always perfect or something, or like the work they do is always great. I don't think that that's the case. <laughs> I think it's kind of like more of an approach or something like an obsession kind of approach to things. Yeah. Um, but uh, so they say in this article, there's kind of three things. Perfectionists are often um, reluctant to designate decisions as unimportant. Okay. They're uh, often morally obligated to over-deliver. And they're excessively annoyed when they aren't 100% consistent with good habits. Those are kind of like the the three things Dang. they talk about 
uh, particularly killing kind of like destroying productivity. So like, and productivity, I think in this case is not necessarily like, um, you know, getting a lot of like spreadsheets done or something, but it's like, you know, doing like what you're talking about, like working on your craft, Amy. Yeah. Um, the one, the one, the one that actually, I mean, I've, I've experienced kind of all of these a little bit, um, like not being able to decide like what's important or what's not, uh, mm -hmm. over delivering and, and like and being annoyed with myself, <laughs> like when I'm not doing it, but the one that actually like really, like really kind of like clicked with me recently is this, um, feeling obligated to over deliver. That's mm -hmm. like the one that really kind of clicks with me because I just kind of feel like this. Um, when I was at when I was at Apple, there's a saying where it's like un you under promise and over deliver. Whoa! And, wow. And uh, I think it's like kind of common in a lot of different business things, but it's like that's always that's. I think I had always kind of been like that, but I think like that like put that that put the like how I was feeling or like my approach to things like in like in writing in like a one in like a one sentence sort of this thing like under promise over deliver and um and it's it's uh it's exhausting it it honestly is exhausting you can say that again <laughs> it's just like every time um every time i do anything basically i'm trying to base i'm trying to do more than what the person expects me to do like to do it better to to deliver more of that thing. You know, I think about, I'm working on this etude book, I'm working on some recording projects and I'm kind of like, yeah, I think like it'd be cool if it was eight to 10 songs or something. And I'm like, you know, if I'm really, if I'm really any good at this, I should do like 15 or 20 songs. Mm. You know, it's like oh this kind of like, um, and so, and so it just kind of kills me. Like it's under the weight of all of that, not under the weight of the actual thing or just like doing stuff and seeing what happens. It's like, it's not, that's, um, it's like under the weight of this, of this thing. It's like, it's not worth doing unless I can like really kill it, you know, like really impress, like really do more than people expect me to do. Yeah. Um, and I feel that way with my students, all that kind of stuff, you know, it's just like, I don't, I, I like, I honestly want to want to be like the best teacher they've ever had. Like in every, you scenario. are, but no. you are, no, but like in every scenario, in every email in every class, mm -hmm. in every, like, in every, like whatever thing I design my syllabus or something, you know, it's just like, it's not that, not that I want to like put too much, like I want to just like have it be like a 40 page syllabus, but I'm like, <laughs> How can I, how can this be a two page syllabus, but be like the, like be the most helpful syllabus of all time or something. You know, it's just like, Oh my gosh. Exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> exhausting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the one that kind of clicked with me. And I, and I get that that kind of holds me back. It's like, sometimes I could just do exactly what, you know, even just giving people what they expect or something or what they hope I'm going to do. Like a lot of times that's better than most, I would say, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's fine. Yeah. I feel that. 500%. I could just feel that. I don't know. You're, you're told the narrative, like you have to like stand out. So you have to like, even the smallest of things, you have to be like, yeah, this, you have to be perfect. This is like the, the, this, this is the, 
factor or what's the what's the word I'm searching for? I can't find it. But this is like the difference between you not getting the job and getting the job. Mm. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of the time I'm functioning in that space of like, okay, I need to do this so that the whatever I can get the job or I can like recent when Amy helped me in this, she needed some help. And I was like, should I do this? Like, and then when I did it, I was like, I have to be like very, very professional about it, even though it was so low key Mm -hmm. that it could have been, oh yeah, asterisk this, but no, whole section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like doing the most when maybe you don't have to do the most, I feel. That that also relates to the thing you were saying about deciding or like having maybe trouble deciding that things don't matter as much or certain things don't matter as much. Oh yeah. Does it make decisions as unimportant? That's what I feel like you were saying that. Cause this was a situation mm-hmm. that was like very low stakes, yeah. but still it's kind of like, Oh, I'm going to, but I still have to do yeah. like the most <laughs> to make that happen. Yeah. They work in tandem with one another. That's, I don't know why we, is it like, is it like an artist thing? Like, I, cause I feel like most artists are like, mm. <laughs> the artists that we are surrounded by yeah are want to put their best foot forward in all that they do because they understand that what valuable work looks like not valuable but like no, work that mean. that you've you, something that you've worked hard on that you've worked toward and you can feel and see the results and so you want to put that in every not only in like the musical aspect of your life, but in every aspect of your life, because you've seen it work wonders in one aspect. I don't know. I I don't. I feel like what I'm about to say might take us to a different place, which I don't necessarily <laughs> want to do. But no, I've been really curious about this because I had a self realization. Maybe I've said this before, where I, if I'm not, kind of like, if some of my needs are not being met, that's when I'm working hard enough. If I'm like barely making it, I'm like, okay, I'm working hard enough. I don't know why. And then the thing that was going to bring us somewhere else is like, I wonder how capitalism relates to this. <laughs> and like, like the weirdness of like how much people in the US work, like how many hours and how atrocious some people's work life balance is. Like, no offense, but I'm, <laughs> it's being exposed to me yeah. like in my life. Yes. I'm kind of like, just deciding certain things about what I'm going to want for my life. And my parents' decisions also are like making more sense to me in terms of like having a balance. Plus I'm making myself rest more. And Alex reminded me today, like (laughs) I took a nap because I hadn't rested in a while and I've been working many, many days in a row. And I took probably a four hour nap in the afternoon, I woke up and it was dark. It was like six. <laughs> and I felt really weird about that. And Alex was like, wait, you don't have to like justify resting. And I was like, yeah, I don't. Thank yeah. you. I don't know. I feel like somehow this all ties in because I feel like we've convinced ourselves yeah. maybe that if we aren't doing everything, maybe it could be fear of why we're here. Yeah. It could be fear of what we're doing it could be i don't know i don't don't really know what it is i was having this conversation yesterday like who made a two-day weekend who decided that we only deserved two days of quote-unquote rest because we know these oh almost said a bad word (laughs) 
you know these people aren't here resting. Because you know they're out here working on the weekend. Also, we work more and more, but technology has made everything easier. So what's that all about? Like, we're spending more time when machines are doing, like, yeah. so much more of what people used to do at work. Yeah, like, like the graph of productivity is, yeah. like, insane. It's just as yeah. like, over the last, whatever, 100 years. And then then you look at, like, how much the workers are getting paid, like relative or whatever. And it's like, it's flatlined and like productivity Horrible. is like crazy. But, um, and I think musicians, I, I think like musicians are like that too, you know, like it's not, Absolutely. Just, it's not just like uh, accountants or something. It's like, yeah. oh, you're a musician. Like, um, okay, cool. Well, like, yeah, like it's, it's, you know, you should probably have a new album every couple of years. Like you should always be touring. You need to be, you need to have like a clothing line. You need to yeah. Have like, um, yeah. Like, where's your reality TV show? Like, what's your, what, what are you doing on social media that's like the best of all of it? Like, are you calling yeah. out all the politicians and telling them what to do? Are you like Charlie. going to Congress? Like, what's your, but what's your, um, you know, like, what sort of charity are you running? Like, in, yeah. <laughs> well, how are you helping the rest of the world? Like, are you, are you doing like, uh, nuclear anti-nuclear proliferation like work like what's going on here have you been to I like the, the beginning of this is oh you're an artist <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> and I, I like and obviously like none of us are doing any of that stuff but it's like, <laughs> like that's kind of like that's out there in the unit you know yeah. it's like, like or like you know and um and for people that are like us that are maybe in a slightly different tier or something, it's just like, but yeah, it's like, are you teaching at four different schools? Are you writing yeah. a book? Are you recording an album? Are you hosting a podcast? Are you like, don't do get me started on the gigs. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. yeah. If you're you not gigging, it, like, it's like the norm is like, if you're not exhausted, like you were saying yeah. earlier, if you're not exhausted, you'm not working. It's like, bro, it's ridiculous. I, I'd rather be asleep. And yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't have regrets about the way I operated in college, but I will say like things like sleep, eating well have become like exponentially more important to me in terms of like, this is my body. Like yeah. I have one body that is <laughs> supporting me through all of this. I think. And I'm just going to like treat it like terribly, you know? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I hope I, I hope you like oh oopsies. No, sorry. I, I was just gonna say I feel I felt the same way in college and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. yeah. I hope we like change the narrative around like wearing exhaustion as this medallion. Like, yeah, look mm -hmm. at me, like I'm exhausted. Rather than like it should be a, coming from a sense of care, like, hey, my friend's exhausted. Let me encourage them mm -hmm. to like go take a nap. <laughs> yeah. Like, go take a long shower. I don't know. You yeah, know, yeah. it shouldn't be like, oh, yeah, like, great. It shouldn't be met with like jealousy or like it should be met with animosity. It should be met with care. Like, I care about you and your well being. Mm -hmm. I see you're exhausted. How can I, how can I first for in myself be an example of like, hey, we don't have to be exhausted to be happy mm -hmm. or like be considered whatever. And then encourage like, go take a nap. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Go take a nap. Oh, wait, can I tell a quick side story? Yes. It's short. It's related to this. Go take a nap. There was a coffee shop in Utica 
called like Utica coffee or something like that. But then their slogan is everywhere. You walk in, it's on a flag, the merch on the coffee cups. And it's this wake the hell up. <laughs> and I had a field day with it because you can say it, wake the hell up or wake the hell up. And I <laughs> said it all the time for like four days. And I got a shirt and it says, wake the hell up on the sleeve. I love that. Yeah. Anyway, reveal. I got a shirt. Guess what it said on it? <laughs> Wake the hell up. <laughs> it says, love is love. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's um, let's talk about some new music that came. It's actually been banging. Uh, you know, we had our newsletter last week too, and there's some great stuff last week. But uh, it's like the new releases are coming like heavy. It's almost like it's like early summer, which I feel like mm-hmm. is like, a crazy time for for releases, but there's been some great stuff lately. So, um, uh, Alexander, do you want to kick us off? Yes. Um, this guy, Jonathan McReynolds. Um, if you know me, you know, Jonathan McReynolds because he saved my life, um, with his music. He released his new album called my truth. And he's kind of like this. I love his music because I don't know if I've ever said this, but I am a Christian. Cool. Whatever. And, (laughs) Get over it. I I hate music that's so in your face, Jesus. You know what I mean? So he his music is like not so in your face, Jesus, to the point where you can listen to it and you're like, it's like I've sent his songs to my friends and they're like, oh my gosh, did he just get broken up with or something? Mm. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this album is great. It has like some some of the best songwriters out there, like Marvin Winans and Chandler Moore of Maverick City and so yeah I suggest you go check it out some great songwriting on there very cool the next one on our list is uh Caroline Polachek um uh, she's so I don't know if the either of you have really listened to her before we've never talked about it yeah yeah just one song that I randomly found by her yeah it's like a banger like pop kind of thing yeah (laughs) So she, as far as I, I don't know, I, I'm like not an expert or whatever, but I, I, I started listening to her maybe a few years ago, but she, cause I read an, I read an interview with her, an article about her and it's um, in the article, she was talking about how like she has like a classical voice teacher and I don't know, I don't know like what the, I don't know what her whole history is. So I don't want to like misrepresent anything on the pod, but, the, um, but she has a classical voice teacher and she was kind of talking about that and like doing stuff with her teacher, but like. But she has she has one of the craziest, most killing voices. Like last last week we um last week we kind of like mentioned the new Paramore album. And I think like that it's it's like it's slightly different voice than than it's Haley Haley Williams, right? Is Paramore. So it's a different kind of voice than that, but it's just like but it's equally impressive and um, the songs are really great. The productions, the production is really cool. I'm not like necessarily someone who like listens to dance kind of pop music stuff all the time. So it's like, it's a little bit out. It's a little bit outside of my kind of just like casual listening experience. But, um, but I like in general, the genre, but I think her stuff is awesome. And yeah. uh, she has a new album called Desire I Want to Turn Into You. So I've been listening to it the last couple of days. It's, it's awesome. It's as good as the last the last album and um yeah it's been really well reviewed and stuff too so so definitely check it out um and then the last thing which actually came out maybe a few weeks ago is the new brad meldow 
uh, solo recording of like a bunch of Beatles tunes, talking about kind of getting into the Beatles. It's just that time, I guess. <laughs> I guess Beatles so. time. It's like a whole, we're all thinking about it. But um, yeah, there was a really nice, uh, I think it was a Slate article. It was a really nice Slate article about that, about that album, which is linked in the newsletter. Um, but yeah, I, I think the album is pretty good. There's some stuff on it that is, I don't want to be critical, but there's some stuff on it that's kind of fine, but there's some stuff on it that's like very cool and like great classic bread metal stuff. And I think it's all live. So I don't know. Oh, wow. I didn't read the, um, I didn't read too much about the making of the album, but, um, but there's like clapping and stuff after a, a bunch of the tunes. So I imagine it was like a concert or, or a concert series or something that this is taken from. It's very hmm. Keith Jarrett of him, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. And if you're uh, in the Slate article, they're kind of talking about this being, um, or in something else, they were kind of talking about this being like an entryway into uh, jazz for like non-jazz listening people or something is like a nice kind of entry point, which like made me think about our, which I think was our last album, uh, our last, no, our last podcast <laughs> where we we're talking about Christmas music. Oh yeah. We're talking about the Vince Guaraldi thing or it's like yes. the, the gateway, <laughs> the gateway um, into, into jazz. Um, oh, and then so that yeah so that's that's a uh, new music this week our our um extra credit was a really cool monk uh Thelonious monk blindfold test where the the um the fun thing about that was like how kind of like I mean he's he's very quirky in the blindfold test there's like an image of the blindfold test so you kind of have to like zoom in on it to kind of read it but like um it's like he's he's characteristically monk is like very char characteristically quirky on the um uh, on the blindfold test but he's also like very sweet about everything he's like oh that's great and they play a lot of recordings of his tunes that like other people played um and he's like oh that's great you know he's just like very he's very just very sweet it seems like which is like maybe surprising um, the other thing I want to mention is that um, I, I kind of want to start doing this now every week, but I put a post, I put a poll on Instagram. And so this, this week's poll on Instagram was what makes a song sad? And there were three oh, options. I saw it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there were three options, lyrics, chords, or tempo. And so drum roll, brrr, this is, these are the, this is the results of the poll. So, um, in last place was tempo at 2% of respondents said tempo makes a sad, a sad song. And then next place was chords. 34% of people said that's what makes a, a, a song sad. And then that leaves uh, number one lyrics with 63% oh, wow. respondents saying that lyrics are what make a song sad. Do you, do you have uh did the two of you have takes on this? Like what, I, if you had to choose one, I had a couple of people write me and say, it's all three. And I was like, yeah. I was like, cool. <laughs> That's great. But if you had to choose one to, for just for fun, like what's uh what, what's the one that that's most impactful? I voted lyrics. Lyrics. Yeah. Cause I've, there have been some like disco sad songs. Mm. that I like to get dancey too. Dancey. I don't know. <laughs> I also know though that lyrics uh, I don't know. Because sometimes I do think that there are 
musical things that can evoke a sadness that has nothing to do with that has no words attached to it yeah but I just don't I can't I can't put tempo or chords on one side of the (laughs) I can't do it yeah I mean I I am I'm so much more inclined to music than I am lyrics like as a listener of music like I um I'll listen to a song for 20 years and not really know what the lyrics are, but have a feeling about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true of like all Radiohead songs. <laughs> I don't know what any of them are about. If you put a gun to my head and said like, what's the what's the main word in the song? Or like, what's, what, <laughs> what is he saying in the chorus? I just would have no idea. And it's like stuff I've listened to like since I was a kid. But it's, um, but I actually like, I don't know. I could make a case for tempo. Really? Yeah. I can make a case for tempo, but, uh, but actually my answer is chords. My answer is chords. Um, mm-hmm. But I, 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 I see that I see the val- validity in all of those. I have listened to songs okay, so that Ch- were like, Charlie does have a song out called so happy and it's not about so being happy. happy. <laughs> oh, I know it. <laughs> a very complex. No, you, I, I, th- I just think, I guess I'm being too extremist about it. I do see how chords or tempo. Yeah can be incredibly effective at evoking emotion. What? Yeah. No, you're rolling your eyes, but it's just like, like I was just thinking like, so I, for, for things like this, I always use like the example of like happy birthday. Yeah. So like, I feel like I could make happy birthday really sad if I was like, happy birthday mm-hmm. to you. I feel like it's just like, oh, it's so sad. That's fair. <laughs> So I guess you can sing lyrics. Some of my favorite lyrics are those lyrics that are my one and only love is you can turn it into like really yeah. sad, even if the lyrics are. Oh, yeah. My one and only love can't be pretty sad, especially if I the can't. person's dead. So sorry. Especially if you're singing about someone like Cleopatra. Like a- <laughs> Cleopatra. 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 Anyways, we we're um I think we're at our runtime. So um, uh, uh, Amy, like cutting you off. Amy, do you want to read us out? Oh sure, I would love to read us out. You remember oh. how to do that? It's been a minute. <laughs> I know for a minute I was like, what? <laughs> um, yes. Thank you for listening and for supporting for a music. Remember to like and subscribe. And just a note that if you leave us a review on Apple Music, we would love to read and highlight your comments and yeah. it helps us out a lot. Yeah. Um, for more, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at 4A Music. Please subscribe to our newsletter at 4amusic.substack.com so you can catch our newsletter hot off the press and check out our website at 4amusic.com and go grab merch. And grab some merch, yeah. The ad the ad libs in there were at utter perfection. (laughs) Alexandria, what's our quote for the week? Bite the bullet. Bite the bullet. John Legend. John Legend. John Legend. He's back. He's back from (laughs) vacation. John Legend. (laughs) Big quote. Um, Okay. We'll see you. We'll see you next week. We think you're super. Bye. Goodbye. I've gotten two compliments on my merch, by the way. Yes. Sick. I told them it was on sale. 
good. <laughs>